from the Irvington Voice in Fremont, California. This is the Voice Box. Hello everyone, this is Newsbox. My name is Sumi and today I'm joined by Deepin to take a look at the uh, 32.4 issue of Irvington Voice. Our first story is about the schedule changes this year and how they will affect the registration process. Next up, we will be talking to Avril about the wonderful and tragic play that the Irvington Conservative Theater has recently performed. We'll also be joined by Jessica to discuss free speech on school campuses. For our final story, we'll be reviewing the best moments and highlights of Pop Culture 2023. Okay, all that and more coming up on the news box. For our first story, we'll be talking about the new registration and scheduling process for next year. To help us further understand this issue, we're joined by Ashley, who's been following this story. Hi Ashley, can you give me a rundown of the major events that are happening with registration? So registration will take place at basically the same time as last year, except the admin will be finalizing schedules and putting them into the system a lot earlier, basically as soon as registration is over for current freshmen. and. Um, they're putting it into Infant Campus and then moving it to another platform called Aries. And what are the reasons for these changes? So obviously, um, we are moving into a new platform, Aries. They have to have time to get comfortable with this new system. Um, but also, there is this district deadline. The whole Fremont Unified School District is moving to Aries. And so they do have a district deadline, not just for our own school. and. Um, obviously, we know that there were a lot of scheduling issues um, earlier this school year, so finalizing all the schedules sooner will allow admin more time to move things around and get students the classes that they want. So how effective do you think these changes will be at resolving the problems that we face? I think it'll be pretty effective because we will have a lot more time compared to before when they maybe I think they finalized schedules in the spring and there was a lot of like scramble at that time and the start of the year with people um, issues with people not getting the classes and courses they want and having a really mixed up schedule. So what are some challenges that come with the, the new changes? So um, the main challenges are for the classes that do require applications and um, auditions. So those are um, performance ones like band, choir, or like journalism or yearbook. And so a lot of these classes have, have had to adapt to these changes by pushing their registrations a lot earlier and that's kind of challenging, but that's basically the main um, challenge. Otherwise, um, it should be a pretty smooth transition. Okay, thank you so much, Ashley. To read more of Ashley's work, check out the latest issue of The Voice. For our next story, we're going to be reviewing The Crucible, a play created and made by Irvington's very own conservatory, conservatory theater. To gain a better insight in the workings of the performance, we will be joined by Avril. So hi Avril, could you describe what the play was about? Yeah, so The Crucible is, I'm pretty sure most people have read it in their junior year English class, but the play is like, it's the same thing. The play is about how um, Abigail Williams starts like, accusing people of witchcraft in her town because they got caught dancing and everything. And there's like a string of accusations. And then it's exposed that Abigail and John Proctor are having like a torrid affair. But then John Proctor um, 
he knows that Abigail's accusations are false. So he tries to do what's right and he tries to fight for justice. But with like all the paranoia and like unfound accusation, he's like, it's really hard for him to. And eventually his wife gets accused of being a witch. And so he goes to like defend her and expose it because he doesn't want his wife to die, even though he did cheat on her. <sighs> he's not the best person. Um, but still at the end of it, uh, he gets captured and because because he's not going to go along with what the government wants him to say. Uh, and so he's a choice between he can either like lie and say that, oh, he was oh like taken by the devil, but then he saw the error, like saw the error of his ways and he's seeing the light, or he can continue fighting for the truth and like go down, like die from it. And he chose to die and stand with his morals. So it's a very tragic play, but it's it was very entertaining and dramatic for like the audience. And could you briefly describe the ups and downs of producing the play? Yeah, so, okay, so this play was, I wasn't in it, but from what I interviewed, um, the play was double cast, so that was like, nice because they were able to kind of, like, some people got to take a break, and then you got to have, like, two people working on the same character, and so sometimes one person would, like, a watch the other person, and they could give each other notes and practice lines with each other. Um, but there was, like, a problem with, like, some people who weren't double cast, they had to be there every single day. And I think that was kind of hard on them in their academic life. Like when I was, when I did the musical a few years before too, it was really hard on me in, like, in terms of balancing the academic life. But I think that they've done like a decent job considering the circumstances. But while preparing for the play, there was a bit of a like unexpected circumstance that hasn't really happened in previous years, which was uh, Mr. Ballon had to leave for a bit for health reasons. But it was actually, it was actually, the Irving Conservatory Theater did a great job of recovering despite this like, unexpected circumstance um, because um, I think Miss Olsen was able to help find people like Sabin and they pulled a director called Chava from Ohlone who's currently a student at Ohlone and then Chava kind of became a co-director with Mr. Ballon and Chava was able to give a lot of his own like acting notes and then we had two directors and they were able to um, like kind of split the work among themselves and teach the cast like a lot of different things like one Chava focused more on the actors and their notes and Mr. Ballon focused more on like the overall production. And do you know what inspired the theater to uh, write or choose this play? Um, like, what was the process of it? Yeah, so every year the Performing Arts Club will submit like their list of the plays and musicals that they want the most. And typically, they also let students like vote like what are their favorites on that list. But considering there's a lot of other things that need to like a lot of other factors that go into the decision, um, a lot of times the play or musical that's chosen isn't on that list. Um, but this time it was. The, for the Crucible and for the Adams Family, which will be um, in spring, I think auditions are on now. Um, both of them were from the student list, which means both of them were like student favorites. Both of them were uh, plays and musicals that the Performing Arts Club and the like, just in general people interested in drama wanted to see and wanted to do. And so I think that was actually like, pretty helpful in terms of like, turnout. And also, oh, the reason why the Crucible was able to be both was was good for both the students and for like the teachers and staff was because um, Mr. Ballon, like every year he says, oh, he wants to find uh, plays and musicals that are relevant to students in their lives. Like Spelling Bee is kind of related to like growing up. And then The Crucible is uh, our junior, one of the junior year like required reading books, I'm pretty sure. And so because of that, it's like, oh, The Crucible is like relevant to the studies and academics because you're studying this book anyways. And by doing the play, you'll be able to see the book that you're studying come to life. So I think that's um, pretty nice, but there were a lot of different reasons for choosing the crucible and finally uh what did you think was like the most enjoyable part of the play me personally yeah 
Oh my god. I think there were a lot of good parts of the play. Um, maybe my favorite, a few could be, one is when, uh, what is when Abigail Williams and the other people in the other like girls that she has of accusing people of witchcraft, they go absolutely crazy and they start like screaming like like Anne is a bird it's like so funny because you get so caught up in it like the entire audience they're like oh no Abigail is um is like Abigail is distracting everybody again and she's tricking everybody again and another another really special part that I think Mr. Ballin also pointed out that this production especially of The Crucible did really well is um there's a scene where Mary Warren who's one of the girls that is kind of under Abigail and is accusing people of witchcraft so she gets recruited by like John Proctor to help expose Abigail Williams for her like lying and her deceit and her accusing people of witchcraft that they didn't they didn't do because they're not witches. Uh, so she's on like the stand of the courtroom and she's saying she's standing by the moral, she's standing by the truth that she did lie and she doesn't want to keep on lying. She wants to stand up for everyone and do what's right. Um, but then after like continuous pressure from Abigail and with all the chaos around her, and if it's so like quick, 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 you can kind of see her emotions as she goes from like, oh, I want to stand by and do what's right to like she breaks down and she just wants to self-preserve. She just wants her own life. And she's just like, she's fought so hard to do the right thing, but in the end she like fell and she couldn't. Okay, uh, thank you for joining us today. And to check out more of her work, please check out The Voice. Now for our sports recap, we're joined by Ogis, the sports editor, who will be talking about many different things, including basketball, soccer, and wrestling. So to begin, how are the girls' basketball seasons going? So the girls' basketball season is going, it's going well. So I believe they're tied or, or you know, they have a 50-50 record, they're, they have a winning record, and it's definitely much better than last year. Um, we think it's mainly because of, you know, the camaraderie that they've built over the summer. Um, you know, in comparison to last year's team. And they actually have a chance of making the playoffs this year, which is great. So for all the Irvington, you know, sports fans, uh, go check them out. Uh, make sure to support them. How about the soccer teams, the boys and girls? So the uh, both, both of the teams have been doing pretty good. But um, the girls team, they had lost a two-game uh, two win streak against San Leandro, but they did learn, you know, a couple things where to improve on. So in future practices, they're going to be going over that. However, I think their season's going uh, pretty well, their preseason especially. Uh, the boys' team, even though they lost against Tennyson, you know, in, in uh, the most recent game, they did have impressive plays. They had, you know, again, good teamwork, and um, they're passing the ball a lot. But both of the teams, even though, you know, they didn't succeed in the most recent game, they have learned of, you know, different tactics they're going to be practicing uh, in practice to make sure that it doesn't happen again. So for the recent um, wrestling meet, who, did Irvington come out on top? So the thing with this wrestling meet was that there were a lot of setbacks for Irvington. So one of their star wrestlers got injured during the meet. Um, however, they did win six matches. They didn't come out on top, but uh, they won six matches. They're only getting better from here. And um, when we interviewed the wrestling team and the wrestling coach, they already had tactics in mind that they would practice that weren't you know, showing up in this meet. But um, you know, as long as the injuries get better, as long as they start practicing more and especially practicing the things that they didn't you know, do so well on this meet, uh, they're only going to get better. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you, Ojas. To read more, more of Ojas's work, please check out the latest issue of The Voice. In 
the wake of recent activism-related protests, the issue of the lack of speech in, in America has risen, especially in student communities. To comment on this issue, we are joined by Jessica, the opinions editor of The Voice. So hi, Jessica. How could, could you tell us how you define the concept of free speech? So um, I guess the concept of free speech is very akin to, I guess, the First Amendment rights of freedom of expression, where you should be able to say what you believe in, say what you want to say, and not be, like, I guess, reprimanded or be punished for the words that you're saying. And even if they may be sometimes false or untrue, you have a right to say what you believe and you have a right to say things in the world, I guess, to the public. And could you outline the historical importance of free speech? So, of course, um, I guess the concept of free speech was like, it came in with the Enlightenment thoughts, and it's been like really essential to democracies around the world. For instance, I mean, the US, they were essentially liberated, they had the Revolutionary War, and part of it was because of the proliferation of pamphlets against Great Britain's oppression of their free speech. And of course, in more recent years with the Cold War, there has been a rise of tensions within free speech, but also like when they embrace free speech or being very welcoming of free speech to be able to like open up, open up to new ideas to the world, essentially advance in society. And finally, what does free speech look like on campuses among students today? So um, lately in the news, there has been a lot of talk about free speech issues, and I think universities around the world, because while I believe it's not covered widely enough in say like large news outlets, like New York Times or Washington Post, um, campuses have been constantly protesting against the war as of late, and it's been a really, really big issue in campuses as of late. So there has been tensions with administration. A lot of administration have been going to the route of just no speech whatsoever, but that does cause a lot of controversy. And in my article, I address something along those lines. All right, thank you for joining us today, Jessica. Check out more of your work in The Voice. As the holiday season nears, grocery, grocery stores have begun stocking their bakery aisles with various kinds of winter-themed snacks. Now we're joined by Ishida and Ashley, who will be talking about the quality of holiday cookies from different stores around Fremont. Let's start with Ishida. Can you tell us which store you went shopping for snacks at, and how do you rate the quality of co the cookies you bought? Um, so for my cookies, I went to Trader Joe's, and I would say that most of they have a lot of they have a wide variety of cookies, um, and there are a lot to choose from. Um, but most of them are not holiday focused. And I would say that the best one I tried was the chocolate creme sandwich cookie. Um, and I would recommend it to anyone who's like really into chocolate and just likes chocolate. Ashley, what about you? Which stores did you go to and how would you rate the cookies you bought? Yeah, so I went to Target and Safeway, although most of these cookies you can find at like any of your local grocery stores. Um, and overall, they were pretty good. I feel like you would want to get them for more so the experience than the taste. So it's definitely really fun to make them. Um, and yeah, so the best one, do you want to know the best one that I got? Sure. The best one that I got was the Pillsbury. And I think it's cheating because they're the ones where you just open up the package and you just put them into the oven after preheating it. Um, and yet they were the best ones. Mm -hmm. So honestly, I would recommend. But if you want like the experience aspect, then I think that you can find like a better kit. 
So which cookies would you avoid? Let's start with the Shia. Um, I would say to avoid the butter almond thins because um, although in the packaging it like publicizes the almonds and whatever, but in inside there were absolutely no almonds. It was just like a sheet of butter and that they like baked. Okay, what about you, Ashley? Which ones would you avoid? I'd say solely like considering all of the factors involved, the Betty Crocker, it's the Cookies for Santa cookie kit. That's the one I found at Safeway. It costed like $9, which is super steep for that. And it just didn't taste that good. Um, and they also used like, well, they did give you the frosting, which didn't wasn't the case for like the Target, the gnome cookies. The frosting was so bad. It was worse than the ones you find at the grocery store, you know, the cans. So I would not recommend that. And I think that's also why I chose my favorite as the Pillsbury one, because the frostings in both of the other kits just were not good. Okay, thank you so much, Ishida and Ashley. To read more of their work, check out the latest issue of The Voice. Our writers have been working hard to putting together an informal list of the best moments in, pop, in the pop culture of 2023, and we're calling it the Voice Choice Awards. We have all the winners laid out in our feature spread, but here's a quick rundown of what captured, captured our attention this year. New musical artists have all risen up to fame this year. The greatest up-and-coming artist of 2023 award is actually a tie. The first winner is Gracie Abrams. With her Good Riddance tour and This Is What It Feels Like tour being sold out, Gracie Abrams has grown even more popular over 2023. Next, our second winner is Sabrina Carpenter. She started her career with simple YouTube videos of her 10-year-old self singing and has quickly risen to fame over the past two years. After stabilizing her career with her acting from a Disney show called Girl Meets World, she began her singer-songwriter career with her first single being co-written by Megan Trainor in 2015. Throughout the year, she has accumulated success through concert tours and her hard work was significantly recognized this year with the mass popularity of her Emails I Can't Send tour. To read more of Sabrina's career and success, read the latest issue of The Voice. Moving on, 2023 was full of memorable movies and TV shows that wouldn't have been possible without the production companies that make them. The award for the best film company goes to A24. Entertainment editor Emily Hsu spoke highly of the indie studio's unique approach to filmmaking and the changes it brings to Hollywood, with creations ranging from everything everywhere all at once to Euphoria, and with the release of Priscilla this year, A24 has proven its ability to create high-quality films with less money. This year also saw a large number of new video games with unique stories and life-changing gaming experiences. The award for best video game goes to Spider-Man 2 with the iconic introduction of the villain Venom, and this game serves as a sequel, um, successful sequel to Spider-Man 1. According to sports editor Ogis, this game's storyline and game style makes this award well-deserved. To, to conclude our awards, our paparazzi and fake news have always been unyielding when it comes to simulating celebrity drama. This year, the most considerable victims are the partners in a fam very famous relationship that has been nothing but a 25-year-long emotional roller coaster. So, the next award for Best Celebrity Feud goes to Will and Jada Smith. Jada and Will's relationship has suffered much scrutiny. Under the public eye, countless disreputable accusations have arisen and numerous displays of a despondent marriage were shown to a condemnatory audience. However, from the moment they were married in 1977 and even after their separation in 2016, Jada and Will Smith have seemed, still seem to have an implacable love for each other. To read more of this, check out the latest issue of The Voice. That's a wrap on the awards and the whole episode. Please be sure to check out the latest issue of The Voice.